right, everyone. Welcome to Dom's Club, where I, your host, Dominique Mobley, interview groundbreaking filmmakers, television writers, authors, actors, comedians, and more. I'd like to welcome into the studio the incredible Natasha Davison. Natasha is a Broadway co-producer for musicals including Drama Desk winner The Prom, which is set to be released as a film on Netflix produced by Ryan Murphy later this year. Natasha also leads a commercial producing lecture series at the University of Texas, Austin, in which she speaks with entertainment industry leaders such as Harriet film producer Deborah Martin Chase and touring powerhouse Louis Messina. Natasha is also an esteemed director, choreographer, and dancer, having danced in Fame and Cats. All right, without further ado, let's welcome Broadway producer Natasha Davison. Hi, I'm so delighted to be with you today. I'm so excited to have you. I guess my first question is, what inspired you to become a Broadway producer? Well, I fell in love with musical theater and Broadway shows when I was 12 years old in Atlanta, Georgia, where I grew up. And I saw the National Touring Company of Maine, which was a narrative that focused on two very strong women. And I hadn't seen that before. Uh, it was starring Angela Lansbury and B. Arthur. And mm-hmm. I just was found it live performance and the collaboration of dance, music, and text and narrative to be so resonant with me and so powerful. And that is how I became an aficionado of musicals and Broadway shows in particular. In terms of becoming a Broadway producer, um, I'm really a co-producer. So, you know, producer is a title that uh, means many different things. And so um, it's a great question to ask when someone has a producer title, exactly what that means, depending on the project that they're working on. Mm -hmm. I first started off in television and producer means something different in what I did there. And for Broadway, I'm a co-producer. So I'm a team. I'm, I'm one member of a team of people that work on a particular show. Every okay. Broadway show has a lead producer or several lead producers, and then they have a team of co-producers um, that work with them. And we uh, capitalize for the show, we raise the money for the show, and depending on the production and the lead producers, you can also be a part of the meetings discussing marketing and how the trajectory of the show is going to unfold and uh, that sort of decision-making. And my path to working on Broadway productions was circuitous as life is. Again, I had been working on uh, developing new musicals at University of Texas um, in a summer program and bringing in creative teams from New York and Los Angeles to mm-hmm. work on pieces that they were hoping to take into the um, Broadway market. And through that process, I was fully producing those workshops, and I met a lot of Broadway producers, and I became a member of the National Alliance of Musical Theater, which develops new narratives, mm-hmm. uh, new musical narratives to Broadway. And I, you know, through relationships there, I was asked to uh, work on a show called Halftime, which mm-hmm. had its out-of-town run at the Pippermill Playhouse a couple of summers ago. And uh, the people, the lead producers for that show were also the lead producers of The Prom, and that's how it became involved with The Prom. But, you know, I really am a a huge supporter of the live theatrical experience, Broadway in particular, and musicals 
um, even more so. That's so cool. Did you have any favorite plays and musicals when you were growing up? Honestly, I never met a play or musical that I didn't really love when I was younger. I did work as an intern for Theater Under the Stars in Atlanta, Georgia, and they tended to do really popular musicals. Uh, every summer, they do four or five of them, and I, I love them all. I mean, I'm trying to think what we, I know that we did um, South Pacific, and I really enjoyed working on that show, and I got to be an extra in that show. But, you oh, know, wow. I really loved, I'm interested in all of them. Um, and I think it's a great time for musical theater. You know, Broadway, aside from the, you know, this pandemic right now and the, the, the theaters being shuttered, the, you know, attendance has been on the rise and uh, it's really um, a growing uh, area. I mean, in terms of that, that market, it's uh, been, you know, steadily moving upwards. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I didn't know that. That's, I mean, I know a few times I've gotten to go see like a Broadway show. I know I've loved it, so it's really good to hear, like, that more people are coming out to it. So you also run a fantastic commercial producing lecture series at the University of Texas, Austin, in which you speak with other prominent leaders in Hollywood about the industry. Well, it's an interesting thing. You know, I there are not a lot of universities that offer content, course content, that deals with the, the commercial theatrical market. And I think that that is um, too bad. I think there's wonderful, um, you know, academic curriculum in the university these days. But uh, I also believe that there is room for giving the students some knowledge about the entertainment sphere, the kinds of opportunities that are available, the kinds of jobs and the kinds of skills and or knowledge you might need to uh, prepare to step into that um, entertainment sphere. So one of the uh, deans at the school knew that I had been working as a co-producer for some Broadway shows and knew that I had been fully producing these workshops at University of Texas and a member of a bunch of the professional organizations. And she asked mm-hmm. me to form a class that would give an overview to students of the kinds of things that were going on in the entertainment uh, market. You know, my knowledge is mostly in live theatrical, mm-hmm. but we broadened it to include you know, other kinds of things like television and film and the live music industry and concerts and, and, and that sort of thing. And that's where it all started. And as part of that class, um, one of the sponsors of this program, Alan Becker and his son, uh, Brian Becker, also had made the suggestion to capture some people that might not, um, you know, sort of titans in the industry who had a lot of uh, really interesting experiences and successes in the entertainment um, sphere, and why not, you know, take a moment to capture some of their thoughts and that they could share with the students. And so that's where that came from. And my background as a television producer uh, came in very handy there, and I volunteered to produce these segments and interview these folks and put together these pieces that are used in the classroom. And, you know, they're very interesting. It can be hard to find time for people that are still at the peak of their careers mm-hmm. to, you know, come to, come to campus. And we do have many that do take the time to come to campus and engage with the students and share their knowledge of the industry. And this is just another thing that we can do. And maybe we'll be doing more of them. <laughs> the current situation, you know, if the current situation uh, continues mm-hmm. for any length of time. But I do think they're they're really valuable, and you know these uh, individuals have had long uh, careers and really interesting pathways and trajectories. And the segments that I produce are able to show that and distill that sort of content. And some of the folks 
also come to class as well, like uh, Louis Messina, who's a, a major mm-hmm. uh, promoter in the music industry. I profiled him, and he also comes with his entire team oh, wow. to, class to discuss the whole process of what it is your uh, major artists, and mm-hmm. he um, he talks about the whole process from dynamic ticketing to routing to uh, timing to marketing, both uh, digital and traditional. So it's it's super interesting for the students to hear about all of those different processes. And that class, yeah, that class sounds amazing. Like I want to take that class. How do you like decide who do you who you want to bring in? Well, you know, I do try to balance it with folks from different aspects of the industry. And then it also just depends on who might be available. We've had mm-hmm. the wonderful, uh, brilliant Deborah Martin Chase, who's a major mm-hmm. producer on Hollywood. And recently, this last season, she produced uh, Harriet, the mm-hmm. biopic on Harriet Tubman. And she was able to come by. She's come by in the past. She's a really incredibly busy woman. So she happened to be out to her and promoting that film. And so we were able to, she was able to stop by and we had a big uh, lecture. Uh, we, when I have someone of that stature come, I often will open it up to the entire UT community, uh, mm-hmm. which we did mm-hmm. with, with her. And she, she's had an amazing career and really so generous of her to stop by and talk to the students about her career and Harriet and, um, all of the, the, the kinds of things that she's produced. She's really had a major impact in terms of having commercially successful franchises that focus on empowered young women. Mm-hmm. And Princess Diaries and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, That's so awesome. And I, think it's so, yeah. I think it's so amazing that you're doing that for the students because I know that truthfully sounds so amazing and so helpful for them. Well, I think it's really helpful also to see the different kinds of people that are succeeding in the industry and the different kinds mm-hmm. of projects that can uh, find a place in the entertainment market. And they can have altruistic you know, purposes as well. I mean, look mm-hmm. at Hamilton. It's, it's mm-hmm. wildly commercially successful. And it's also got a lot of other, you know, important messages in there. And, mm-hmm. you know, really wonderful opportunities for um, artists of color in that yeah. globally. Yeah, I agree. That's really, that's truly amazing. I agree. So how has your experience as a dancer in television shows such as Fame and theatrical, theatrical productions such as Victoria and a U.S. tour of Cats influenced your career as a choreographer? Well, um, by the way, I just want to give the props to you for all of your uh, great research (laughs) on me. (laughs) That's wonderful. Uh, I did begin in theater as a performer. Mm -hmm. And through my many experiences on shows like Cats and Fame, and I also did Beauty and the Beast and Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat, and other um, projects as well, I had the benefit and the privilege of working with really exciting choreographers. They're brilliant and talented, such as um, Dee Dee Woods. I did a television special with her. She's the woman that choreographed the film, The Sound of Music, and Mary Poppins. I worked with Matt West, um, Michael Peters, uh, on that, Michael Peters on that same television special, Jillian Lynn, who of course worked, uh, who choreographed the original productions of Cats, um, Anthony Van Last, who's a British choreographer, uh, known for Mamma Mia and many, many other very successful, uh, theatrical productions as well, as well as films. Mm-hmm. And I really learned a lot from 
either from them directly or from executing their, their choreography mm-hmm. about what it means to produce choreography for musicals. You know, it's, the thing that I've always loved about musicals is that, you know, dance is sort of one of the very important languages of the stage. You, they have the music and the singing and the text that's written. And then dance also plays a really important role in many, many productions. And that the movement has to fulfill different kinds of things, depending on how the director uh, wants to use it. it. It's not just steps that fit music. But does that choreography need to create tone in that moment? Is it developing character in that moment? Is it, are you trying to support something emotional that's happening on stage or are you trying to move narrative along? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's, I think the important thing that I learned from all the different people that I either work with directly or work in shows in which they created the choreography. That's incredible. And I love, I love hearing like how your mind thinks of like, okay, this kind of choreography for this type of narrative, for this story. That's really awesome. Um, what maybe made you want to transition from being a dancer to doing choreography? That just sort of happened. You know, I had my, I was pregnant with my second daughter, uh, when I was wrapping up performing in Beauty and the Beast in Germany. I was in the premiere production, Disney's premiere production in, um, in Stuttgart, Germany. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I came back to the States, I, I took a couple of years off to, um, you know, be with my, my two daughters. And when my older daughter was old enough to be in a stage production and start auditioning for things at her school, I would just remember sitting in the back of the theater and watching the process unfold and realizing that, you know, I might have something to offer here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Going up saying, could you use a little, you know, maybe some assistance or support with the choreography mm-hmm. in the show. And that's actually how it, it started. And I I began choreographing some in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And then when we moved to here in Florida briefly, and I did some choreo- choreography work there. And then in Austin, I started um, doing choreography here. Mm-hmm. And I uh, got a call from University of Texas during that process and then uh, taught theater dance and choreographed their musicals for wow. um while they had a musical theater program there mm-hmm. wow that's so awesome and i love i love if you're like sitting in the back of the theater like hmm <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> um so what did you yeah it wasn't, a de- it wasn't a deliberate thing with me it just sort yeah. of unfolded and then i found that i really that i really enjoyed the process of working with young people mm-hmm. and i enjoyed the process of uh choreographing for uh theater and i also you know, did some directing. So sometimes I directed and choreographed, mm. most of the time uh, just the choreography. Mm-hmm. Are there similarities between directing and choreography? Choreography. I think yes. I mean, the process is very similar in terms of how whatever you're doing, whether it's staging or acting, um, acting focused, you're still trying to serve the narrative of that piece and the tone of that piece. So everything you do needs to have that priority in mind. Yeah, think I'm learning a lot, by the way. So I'm, I love, I've been loving this. Interview. <laughs> Good. I'm learning a lot. Yeah. Um, so I know you talked about how, as a co-producer for the prom, you work at, sometimes in marketing. You kind of cover all the fields um, for the production. Maybe what? How does your job differ from before opening night to during production to the final curtain call? 
Well, you know, the lead producers are the ones that are involved in the day-to-day operations, and then we're we are a part of uh, the big meetings that happen. And um, but of course, there's you know a lot of pre-planning, and it just really depends on what happens with the the production, um, mm-hmm. how involved you are. Uh, I would say there's much more contact with those lead producers before the opening and and the opening, which is very exciting. And then as the the run of the show uh, moves forward, then you're, uh, you know, a little bit less involved because we're not, we're not involved in the day-to-day operation as a co-producer. Mm-hmm. Lead producers really do, really do all of that. But uh, this group that we worked with, which was phenomenal, um, Dory Ferenstein, Bill Dinashki, um, were really, really wonderful in um, having an open forum with all of the co-producers involved. So mm-hmm. That was great to be at those meetings and give feedback and, throw ideas around, things like that. Do you live in New York at any point during, like, the production of the musical or of any Broadway show? Um, I did live in New York for a while. I don't don't now. My home base is Austin, Texas, although Mm -hmm. I'm there frequently. The Mm -hmm. current situation, notwithstanding, I'm not, I'm in Austin right now, but um, I do, my my daughter lives there. She's an actress in New York. Oh, okay. uh, My sister lives there, so I I do have family there as well, and Mm -hmm. I did live there for uh, quite a few years um, mm-hmm. when I was mostly during my performing years, but I, I spent a lot of time there for sure. That's awesome. So how do you decide, obviously you've worked in a variety of um, different roles um, in production for theater and television. How do you decide on what projects to become involved in, maybe as a choreographer, director, producer, or any other creative capacity? Well, I think sometimes that the projects come to you, Mm-hmm. As a choreographer, that that is how my work has unfolded. You know, I was working at the university, or I work at uh, some other um, schools here in Austin, and they come to me, and they have a show that they're uh, going to be staging, and then I have become involved as a choreographer. In mm-hmm. terms of the shows in New York, for example, those are through relationships. And so, you know, once you've sort of joined the community that you wish to be a part of, you are invited to readings and um, workshops of shows, which you then observe. And if you think that um, you believe strongly in those projects, and then you reach out to your investors and um, mm-hmm. start the process of capitalizing for a show. That sounds so much how fun. how you get involved. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of hard work. I mean, it's it's wonderful to work on things you really believe in mm-hmm. and um, an industry that you just, uh, you know, for me, I'm just, you know, passionate about this industry and mm-hmm. looking forward to when Broadway comes back for sure. Mm-hmm. That's so exciting. So how did, how have your experiences on Broadway differed from your experiences in television? Well, uh, in television, most of my background was as a line producer or a field producer in more news and content-based shows. Mm-hmm. So I, my degree is in journalism and from there, I had worked at the the school's radio station as a news reporter and had interned at one of at WSB TV in Atlanta, which is one of the network affiliates. Mm-hmm. And my internship there then turned into being becoming a production assistant and then a writer and then uh, a producer. So a line producer for news is very different than say what that title means for live theatrical or for a film. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided the the lineup for each news. Uh, broadcast and uh, would then make assignments to who would cover each part of that, either 
it's a voiceover that will be written by one of the staff writers or if it's a reporter you're going to send out to do a story. Um, and then I also worked as a field producer um, for medical news magazine shows out of Boston. Mm-hmm. We shared offices with uh, PBS's Nova, so it's that, that, was that style of show. And those, you're essentially a reporter, but you're not on camera. So you conduct all of the interviews, you write the piece, you mm-hmm. gather the research for the piece, and then you uh, do all of the post-production on that piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, that experience was, I really loved that as well. And it, of course, that's why I was able to put these pieces together for the a con- a conversation with series for UT, because that's mm. my background. This is oh. that kind of piece. That's really cool. Have you been able to use, I feel like you've been able to use all these different skills from different areas, like repeatedly, even if it's not the exact same job, like you use stuff from news in your television production class. Like that's really awesome. Yeah. And I, you know, I've loved all of these things. And I, as you have an interest in many different facets of um, essentially storytelling, I, you know, I did it well. And I was fortunate enough to have opportunities in some of these different areas. And I really appreciated and loved all of them. Mm-hmm. They all sound, I mean, I, I feel like the news, I mean, maybe what caused you or maybe spurred you to transition from news to like choreography or dancing, or maybe you always wanted to do all of them, all those things as well. Like what kind of led to that? That is a very good question. And when I was in school, I, first of all, I should say that I always danced and sang and acted and participated in things like that growing up. I was a very serious dancer as a, as a girl and studied at the Atlanta Ballet and I had a strong background in ballet. I mm-hmm. was in boarding school for four years in Boston. I also studied dance there and did gymnastics. So I had kept up, I had foundational skills and I did the musicals at my school and that sort of thing. When I got into college, it, it seemed like it was just a, a not very practical career to pursue, although I loved it. And I didn't really know how to go about doing that growing up in Georgia. You know, we this is before we had Internet and cell phones mm-hmm. and access to that kind of information. How do you pursue a career like that? I really didn't know. And I didn't know anyone that did it either. Um, however, I continued to keep up my dance skills. And I pursued um, journalism in college, which I also found to be really interesting and exciting and um, while I was a uh, field producer for this show called Health Beat in the Boston area, I joined mm-hmm. a, I auditioned for and joined a dance, a professional dance company mm-hmm. uh, that rehearsed at night. It was a jazz company. And, um, you know, I also strengthened my skills. But being in close proximity to New York and at a studio that did produce a lot of professional dancers, I learned more about what that process was like. And mm-hmm. had the opportunity to work with some choreographers and professionals from Broadway. And I was getting near the end of my 20s. I think I was 27, 28. And I just thought, you know what? If I'm ever going to pursue this laden dream of dancing on Broadway, I this is a good time to do it. Mm-hmm. And I had New York. And I decided to just jump on her, her U-Haul and go to New York <laughs> with her. And I quit my job at the television station and ran off to New York, got a waitressing job, and started going to auditions. Wow. Now, meanwhile, I should say that I had been training all this time, and I knew that I was at a competitive level. And Mm -hmm. I had been going to New York to take classes and sort of get a sense of what that audition process was like. So I knew that I was in the ball game. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. In terms of my my skill level. 
Yeah. yeah I love how you were constantly like getting better, like, uh, and like how you followed that dream that you'd had of dancing. Like, you were like, okay, like I'm going to do it. Like at least I'm going to try. So I know that I tried so I can always look back and know that I didn't like just push it to the side. Yeah, and you know, and I also think the thing is you do have to educate yourself. Something mm-hmm. that I often talk to um, my own student about is that you need to join the community that you want to be a part of. So you need mm-hmm. to make sure that you're meeting people and you're understanding what that industry is all about, what the skills um, are that you would need, and to also hold yourself to the standard to which you aspire. So if mm-hmm. I go see a Broadway show that has a lot of dancing in it, what is the skill level? What are, what are, how are they delivering those skills? What level do I need to be to be competitive in that market? Mm-hmm. And then you need to do what it takes. Yeah. You need to be in those classes. You need to work on the things that you're not good at and you need to refine the things that you are good at. And, yeah. Um, so you, I don't think you can just do a blind leap. You have to mm-hmm. do your research and then prepare yourself. That's incredible. That's great advice. You are clearly an awesome professor. So that's, that's awesome. I love that advice. So what other projects do you have coming up and maybe what drew you to either create or to join those projects? Um, you know, I think everything is really on pause right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, remains to be seen what's going to be rolling out in the near future and what kinds of projects are going to be um, delayed even more. Uh, I am um, raising capital for a new Broadway museum, which surprisingly mm. is an idea that's been floated around for a long time and had never um, actually been realized. And so I think that is long overdue and mm. it's a really exciting concept and has an amazing group of people helming that. And uh, so a friend of mine is a co-producer on that, and I'm hoping to uh, be able to raise funds for that project, which I think is really exciting. And mm-hmm. there's a, a couple of other um, shows in development that I am going to be focusing on and seeing um, what I think. You know, nothing that I can name right now, mm-hmm. but believe me, there's there's lots and lots of um, shows out there that are wanting to come into New York or go on tour. Uh, now, I will say that The Prom mm-hmm. has uh, been in production for a feature film produced mm-hmm. by and directed by Ryan Murphy for a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. And they've nearly finished all of their principal photography, I believe, just before everything, um, including film and television production, shut down. Mm-hmm. And that is supposed to be coming out in the not-too-distant future. And Ooh. it's a really, really exciting one. Not only is the, the Prom, I think, an important show and a wonderful show, it's um, really worthy of having a global audience by having a, a theatrical film release. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that. And then the prom is also um, scheduled to go out on tour in 2021. Oh, wow. And uh, so an, a national U.S. tour. So that's also very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to both of those things being released. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you have a lot of awesome projects coming up. And the museum, I definitely would visit that. That's, I guess now that I think about it, I am surprised because there hasn't ever been one, like you said. But that's really cool that you're working to create one. Yeah, you know, I'm not a part of the lead team on that, but part of the supportive team. But there is an amazing group, and they have done um, a wonderful job of having, you know, all of the major players in the New York uh, Broadway sphere uh, contribute and collaborate and support. So I think it's going to be in a really exciting go-to destination for people that are traveling to New York and have an interest in Broadway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's really it's really fantastic, and I'm looking forward to that 
um, being realized. Everyone's path is going to be different, and everyone's path is not going to unfold as you wish it would or you envision it happening. There are always going to be twists and turns, and I think that the key elements is to be persistent, um, mm-hmm. to make sure that you, you're prepared to pivot, you're prepared to learn learn a new skill in whatever way, you're prepared to, you know, start in any sort of position to get your foot in the door because there's a lot to be gained by simply being in the room and listening to what's happening with uh, the professionals that are in the room. I think that you also, as I've just mentioned before, you need to become a part of the community that you wish to be a part of. So if you if you are interested in, for example, writing for television shows in Los Angeles, you need to be in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. get to know writers and, you know, engage with that community. And then, again, you need to continually refine and build your skills to the standard that you wish to aspire to. Mm-hmm. And I think those are really the key things to um, to always have be a part of your kind of daily process for pursuing whatever goal you might have. Yeah, that's wonderful advice. Um, So what's the best thing to you about being a Broadway producer? Well, I've always wanted to be a part of that world. And, you know, I'm not a major part of that world, but I really love live experience and live performance so much, whether it's music, Broadway, or, or anything like that. And then the community of gathering together to experience a performance. Um, I just think those are unparalleled, especially in this digital virtual world that we <laughs> live in now more than ever, how mm-hmm. powerful and wonderful those experiences are. And so I'm just delighted to participate and support in any way that I can. And um, it, it's true. It's something that I've been drawn to ever since I was um, very, very young. And I just feel very fortunate to have been able to join that community in any in any way. And uh, I want to share that with the uh, young people because there's so many opportunities in the entertainment sphere. Um, and there's so much crossover between not-for-profit and for-profit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think students sometimes don't realize the kinds of opportunities that are out there. It's, I mean, there are more people off stage than on stage. Mm-hmm. And the offstage jobs are just as exciting and creative and interesting mm-hmm. as the onstage jobs. And I think that there is also more crossover now between people being a writer and a performer and a producer. Mm -hmm. I think you can do all of those things. And uh, I'm really happy to share the kinds of experiences and industry trajectories that the people have had that come and talk to my students at the University of Texas. Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. And I definitely think, like, by holding like the classes that you hold and teach and talking to your students about stuff that we've talked about you're definitely helping them see and learn about maybe jobs and opportunities like you said that they didn't know about before which is obviously really cool i hope so you know i think the best way to think about building a career path it's really more of uh, something of a yellow brick road if you will and you build it brick by brick experience by experience class by class relationship by relationship and you can you know you can you know take uh, little side roads if you need to from time to time but there's value in each engagement that you have although you may not know initially how that w- it will pay off or how it will influence or impact your career but there's mm-hmm. value in all different kinds of engagements and you will build your career 
from the things that you learn, the experiences you have, the relationships that you build. And if there is anything that I wish I had known before I had pursued opportunities in the entertainment sphere is that to have that perspective. For example, when you go to an audition, have you failed if you aren't cast from that audition? And the answer is, of course, no. And mm-hmm. it's part of the process of building a relationship with that casting director. And, you know, putting any sort of creative project together is very much a puzzle, um, especially in terms of casting. They're looking for the right people that fit together to serve this narrative. And you can have a great audition and still not cast, but you have gained something very valuable from that audition by doing a good job and that casting director knowing now mm-hmm. that uh, what your skills are and that you're that you're castable and that you have the skills that are needed for, you know, a variety of projects. Mm-hmm. And it's the same for anything that you pursue. You want to do a good job, whether you're delivering the mail <laughs> at a, at a mm-hmm. big, uh, you know, a producing house or whether mm-hmm. you're um, have a leadership role. All of those engagements are important and there are things to be learned and relationships to be built. That's incredible. And I think obviously fantastic advice. I've had such a great time speaking with you, Natasha. Thank you so much for being on my show. I can't wait to see all of your upcoming projects. Natasha Davison, everyone. I was delighted to be here. Thank you so much for listening. Natasha had such great advice and has had such an amazing career thus far. Make sure you keep an eye out for the Broadway Museum and all of Natasha's other upcoming projects. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dom's Club. Follow me and the rest of Dom's Club at DominiqueMobley.com, Dom underscore Mobley on Instagram and Twitter, and Dominique Mobley, no spaces between the Dominique and Mobley, on YouTube. See you next time at Dom's Club, and until then, enjoy life. Thank you.